Nigeria is something else. We, the poor, we are suffering. We can't keep on doing work of 23, 24,000. The government are collecting millions. We obey the law. Why must they send soldiers to harm us? Why? We can't continue like this, man. My mother was a poor woman. When he give birth to me, he said, I'm going to be rich. I still continue from the poor. And I'm still telling my son, my son will be rich. When is my son continuing to be rich now? When I can't go to pay school fees? When I can't go to go to school anymore? When we are suffering? We can't continue like this. Let them go to dialogue of anytime they want to go. We are suffering. They are shooting straight bullets. They are shooting everything. They, they don't want to kill us. Because their children is in abroad. We are in Nigeria. Nigeria go better. One day, one day, go better. Hello, 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 everyone. You're now tuned in to Unorthodox Rail. This is your host, Relicious. And from the title, you already know what this episode is going to be about. I will be discussing the NSARS movement and everything that has been going on in Nigeria. This episode will be split into two parts, kind of. So the first half is going to be me giving you guys information in terms of facts of what SARS is, how it came about, why is this happening, all that. And then the second half will kind of be like me sharing my opinions on everything that's going on in Nigeria. I said I wasn't going to share my opinions because, again, opinions are opinions. But you know what? This is my podcast and I can put out facts to you all I want and you can also find all this stuff on Google, but like you probably want to hear what I, a Nigerian American has to say about this. But again, again, I said, I'm a Nigerian American. I was not born in Nigeria. I've only been to Nigeria to visit for months on end. I have not spent frequent time there. So again, I have a certain type of privilege to even be here trying to give you guys information on SARS and stuff. So my experience is from as an outsider. I am my experience is from an outsider looking in. So please take the opinion part with whatever you want to take it with. Grain of salt. I don't know. You can do what you want with the information that I'm giving you, okay? So first, I'd like to talk about what is SARS. So SARS stands for the Special Anti-Robbery Squad and was a Nigerian police unit created in late 1992 by former police commissioner Simeon Medenda when a member of the Nigerian army was killed by police officers at a checkpoint in Lagos in September of 1992. So the Nigerian police withdrew from checkpoints after all this occurred, security areas and other points of interest for criminals. Some police officers were asked to have resigned while others fled for their lives. Due to the absence of police for two weeks, the crime rate increased and SARS was formed with only 15 op- officers operating in the shadows without knowledge of the army while monitoring police radio chatters. Due to the existence of three already established anti-robbery squads that were in operation at the time, Madenda needed to distinguish his squad from the already existing teams. Madenda named his team Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS. After months of dialogue, the Nigerian Army, Army and the Nigerian Police Force 
came to an understanding and official police duties began again in Lagos. The SARS unit was officially commissioned in Lagos following a ceasefire by the army after a settlement. SARS was one of the 14 units in the Forced Criminal Investigation and Intelligence Department in Nigeria, which was established to detain, investigate, and prosecute people involved in crimes like armed robbery, kidnapping, and other violent crimes. Since its inception, there have been incidents of SARS killing, abusing, harassing, and bribing Nigerian citizens. In 2009, after several years of operation, the squad grew in number and in strength. Due to the surge of internet fraudsters and cultism in universities, SARS operatives infiltrated Nigerian universities and made several successful arrests, but in the process harassed innocent people. According to a publication by the Nigerian news website Pulse.ng, and quote, what SARS became was a national scourge that witch hunt machinery against Nigerian youth with dreadlocks, piercing cars, and expensive phones as a means of expression, end quote. In 2017, an end SARS campaign was spearheaded by Sigun Awosanya through an online advocacy campaign to end SARS brutality in Nigeria. The campaign was started with the hashtag NSARS on Twitter, demanding the Nigerian government to scrap and end the deployment of SARS. The campaign was backed by international media and led citizens to protest in Abuja. Abuja is the capital of Nigeria, by the way. Some members of Nigerian police force claimed the protesters were criminals and robbers for exercising their right to peacefully protest. Nigeria's senators backed the call to end SARS, but no further action was taken. In 2018, former president of Nigeria, Yemi Osimbajo, ordered of immediate, ordered immediate overhaul of SARS following reports of human rights violation. He ordered the Inspector General of Police, IGP, Ibrahim Idris, to reform SARS and carry out an independent investigation after persistent complaints and reports concerning human rights violations. After the order, the IGP announced that the unit would be renamed the Federal Special Anti-Robbery Squad. A new head of the unit would be appointed and the provision of human rights desk officers to checkpoints. In January of 2019, IGP ordered the decentralization of SARS resulting in the commissioners of each state in Nigeria would be held accountable for their actions in regards to SARS. Fast forward to the current state of the country, efforts to ban the SARS unit increased in October of, 2000, of 2020 after a SARS officer, police officer shot a young Nigerian man in front of the Wetland Hotel in Delta State, Nigeria. Video of the incident started trending on social media, leading to nationwide protests within a few days. Peaceful protests were held in all major cities in Nigeria, demanding for an end of police brutality in Nigeria and the abolishment of SARS. The Nigerian army on October 20th of 2020 announced the introduction of the Operation Crocodile Smile VI, 
which explain expands to include cyber war- warfare exercise track and counter of negative comments on social track and counter of negative comments on social media across the country a move many see to be targeted at the NSARS protests on October 20th 2020 the Lekki massacre occurred in the night which was brought on by Nigerian armed forces where they shot at NSARS protesters at the Lekki toll gate in Lagos, Nigeria. The amount of casualties is disputed with witnesses and Amnesty International saying several people were shot dead while Nigerian authorities claim there were no fatalities, but that 25 people were wounded. It was clear on the videos, images, and countless Instagram lives that several people lost their lives due to the Nigerian Armed Forces on October 20th, and the Nigerian government officials refused to acknowledge people who lost their life protesting for their right to live. Nigerian youth are fed up. They are demanding the dissolution of all forms of SARS. They are also demanding for institutional education, health care, constitution, public office, and youth affairs reform throughout the nation. I will go further into each of the demands presented online by Nigerian youth. So here I'm going to explain more about what the Nigerian youth is asking for from the Nigerian government. So this protest is beyond the hashtag and SARS hashtag and SWA hashtag and police brutality. This movement is for the soul of Nigeria. We are demanding a systemic overhaul of governance and institutional reforms as the barest minimum. We are better than what obtains persistently. We demand progress. We are not vain agitators. We are clearly We are clear-eyed youths and professionals in our respective fields who are tired of the way and manner our dear country has been run by successive administrations. We cannot idly stand by while our future and that of our children are mortgaged. So now I'll explain the seven-point demand that Nigerian youth are demanding and asking for from the government. Number one, institutional reforms, security. That the five-point demand to release arrested protesters, compensate families of victims, investigate and prosecute all reports of misconduct, misconduct, prescribe SARS, and review the welfare of police be implemented immediately. However, we believe the systemic rot in the police is widespread across government institutions. Therefore, we urgently demand an immediate institutional reform across all federal government institutions, agencies, and parastatals, especially focus on national security. Focus will be improved welfare and terms of service for the police, military, and all law enforcement agencies, provide body-worn cameras for operation, refurbish housing, health, academic, pre- and post-retirement life insurance policy for the rank and file personnel. Also, reforms on adherence to the laws, guiding discipline, and prosecution of erring servicemen that should be aimed at extinguishing all notions of impunity. Number two, cost of governance. We have watched over the years the waste associated with governing Nigeria. We have noted the duplication and unprofessionalism in the civil service and across all strata. 
We demand an urgent budgetary framework with 50% capital expenditure and 50% re- recurrent expenditure in all appropriation bill. We demand a drastic reduction in the cost of governance. We also demand that the National Assembly be first by be first by streamlined into a uncameral legislative and be further stripped down to become a part-time job. The huge salaries and benefits accorded them by the Revenue Mobilization Allocation and Fiscal Commission should be reduced to the barest minimum. Number three, Constitution reforms. There have been several constitutional reviews where youths were obviously absent. Whether by omission or commission or both, the time has come for an informed and progressive participation by the youth. The Nigerian constitution as it exists presently does not serve all Nigerians. A more robust and engaged constitution designed and approved by all Nigerians will serve the nation. We demand an urgent referendum within 90 days to begin the line-by-line review, reconstitution, and upgrade of the extant constitution, existing constitution by existing constitution to be more functional for a 21st century nation. The selection process for the referendum will have 50% young people under 60 nominated by their peers in a transparent, judicious, and fair process. We demand the credence be given in terms of citizenship over indigenship and state of residence over state of origin. Number four, education reforms. One in every five of the world's out-of-school children is a Nigerian child. About 13.2 million Nigerian children aged 5 through 14 years old are not in school. The impact of this number will be felt for generations. We demand that a state of emergency be declared in the education sector and demand increase in the budgetary allocation to educational sector by 50% and to double again within the next 24 months. This funds will be These funds will be used to drive the education sector to provide affordable quality education to all citizens. A certain percentage of this allocation should be devoted to granting scholarship to outstanding Nigerians without recourse to the tribe, to the tribe, religious or sex. We demand a systemic overhaul in our curriculum and method of teaching to upgrade to a digital experience. We demand that teachers should be incentivized to attract the best brains and should be standardized and professionalized. We demand that the parent of any child not in primary school be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. We demand that there be an annual independent external audit of fund allocation and project project execution from government approval to disbursement across the ministry, which would further be used to publish at least an abridged financial statement available digitally to ensure transparency. Number five, health reforms. We demand that a state of emergency is declared in the health sector and demand an increase in the budgetary allocation to health sector by 50%. 
We demand mandatory health insurance for the vulnerable population in our society as NHIS is not doing enough to serve all Nigerians. We demand that adequate provisions be put in in place to protect the rights and privileges of physically challenged citizens in Nigeria. We demand urgent attention to mental health and a fund to set aside to create more professionals. We demand proper implementation of the National Health Act of 2014 including the Basic Health Care Provision Fund. We demand that there be an annual independent external audit of fund allocation and project execution from the government approval to disbursement across the ministry, which would be f- would which would further be used to publish at least an abridged financial statement available digitally to ensure transparency. Number six, youth of youth affairs reform. We have noted the giant strides made by Gen Z and millennials across the globe. Many multi-billion dollar corporations were were funded by both were funded by both generations. In Nigeria, it is extremely difficult for such to occur. The enabling environment, investors and lenders confidence, stable interest rate and manageable inf- inflation are a deficit in our dear nation. We demand that a state of emergency be declared in the Ministry of Youth and Sports, Ministry of Science and Technology, and Ministry of National Planning. We demand that this should be adequately funded. Sports academies should be a sports academy should be revamped. We demand the creation of the youth development funds dedicated to growing the creative industries in agriculture. We demand that the not too young to run bill should be expanded to include 50% inclusion of youth under 40 in every cabinet and government. We demand that the youth inclusion be monitored by the FCC as they currently monitor monitor state inclusion and the NCDMB and other stakeholders partake in that action to protect our future. Number seven, public office reforms. We demand code of conduct reforms for all elected public office holders to have themselves and their children use public schools and public hospitals only. Violation of this is immediate impeachment and recall. We demand immediate removal of immunity clause from public office holders to make them answerable to investigations at all times when and where necessary. We demand immediate resignation of every public officer found guilty of any forms of crimes and corruption step aside during investigate and they must step aside during investigation. Implementation of full digitization of the judici- judicial process, prison deconjection decongestion reforms with reforms drawn from past projects like the US U.S.'s report, Kiyamo's ministerial screening address, strict time limits to determination of industries, litigations, and and etc. So those were the seven reforms that the youth have put out to to the Nigerian government. So now I'll go on to talk about the Nigerian government a little bit. So the Nigerian government has proven to their citizens that they are not committed to ending the violations of human rights by the Nigerian police. Blood is on their hands. The country is 
ravished with political corruption. In 2012, Nigeria lost $400 billion to corruption since their independence from the British in 1960. The rise of public administration and the discovery of oil and natural gas are two major events believed to have led to the sustained increase of the incidence of corrupt practices in the country. Also, white supremacy and colonization is also due to that as well. Efforts have been made by the government to minimize corruption through the enactment of laws and enforcement of integrity systems but with little success. Greed, the need to keep up an impressive lifestyle, customs, and people's attitudes are believed to have led to corruption. Another root cause is tribalism. Friends and kinsmen seeking favor from off officials can impose strains on the ethical disposition of the official as these kinks kinsmen see government officials as holding avenues for their personal survival and gain. From a 2003 corruption survey, Nigerian police was ranked number one as the most corrupt public institution in the country, followed by political parties, national and state assemblies, and local municipal governments. The concept of godfatherism was coined in Nigeria. Godfatherism is a form of political corruption in which an influential individual individual handpicks another often less influential candidate to attain leadership in order to exert authority or influence. This phenomenon is due to many reasons, including the unpopularity ladder and the incumbency term limit. Do Nigerians even get a chance to engage in ethical elections? I could spend hours detailing all of this, but it, it would make me and you upset. So after seeing the videos of government officials holding back on COVID-19 politics from from their citizens who have been starving due to a pandemic, anyone will agree that this country has such a long way to go when it comes to doing right by their citizens. I recognize this movement for what it is, a wholesale rejection of the barrage of needless frustrations and degradations that define the Nigerian experience. I cannot leave any of my members anymore. Conclusions and personal anecdotes. I, as a Nigerian American woman, I hold so much privilege compared to the average Nigerian living in Nigeria. I was awarded a blue passport, a passport full of dreams, a passport that offered me an amazing education. 
health care, but that's subjective because not everybody even in this country has health care safety to an extent, to an extent, okay? Because I, again, have privilege to say that I feel safe when I'm at home, at home in America. Not a lot of Americans can even say they feel safe in their home in America. But again, I hold privilege in that. I hold privilege in the fact that I can go for a walk and not be terrorized by a random group of SARS members trying to bribe me for money, trying to take my phone. But again, this is from a Nigerian perspective because Americans also will say, well, not will say, a lot of Americans don't even have the privilege to go outside and walk in their neighborhood because they don't have sidewalks that are safe enough to walk and all that. But then you think of a Nigerian who is in Nigeria and they have unpaved roads. Again, we have a privilege that here in America, people can choose not to pave their road. And sometimes unpaved road is a sign of prestige because you know that homes that are in unpaved areas are mostly bigger. And trying to wrap my head around all of this, like there's so much privilege and just where you come from and sometimes where you come from has no privilege or doesn't offer you much but no security a corrupt land failing politicians i mean trying to say all this i'm like bro this sounds like america (laughs) but then i'm trying to talk about nigeria right now Sorry if this part is going to be just me talking because it is just me talking and trying to wrap my head around all the things that are going on. Honestly, as a Nigerian American, not born, not being born in Nigeria has offered me a lot. A lot of people can say, a lot of Nigerian Americans can say that their parents literally came here for a better life for them and their siblings. Do you understand how much had to like parents had to go through just to come here to make a better life for us? The fact that imagine what your story would be if you were born in Nigeria and you stayed in Nigeria, and your parents weren't offered the same opportunities that they were offered in America, what would your life have been? We Nigerians in Nigeria see America as some sort of magical promised land because they know that when things happen to certain people, they will be charged in the court. This is to an extent because we know what happens with police brutality in America when it comes to Black people, they do not get charged. Police officers commit crimes, they don't get charged. We see in Nigeria when politicians take money from that was meant for citizens, they don't get charged. Nobody is holding anybody accountable. Nobody is transparent. The president in Nigeria is over here kissing the American president's butt, not speaking up against and supporting 
protesters and trying to get their voices heard until 14 days after the president doesn't even acknowledge the president as in Buhari does not acknowledge did not acknowledge the lucky Tollgate massacre instead he told people that they should the youth should want to speak to the government in a different manner than just protesting do you see there is a huge difference there's a huge difference between Nigeria and America obviously but i want to talk about i want to talk about how we don't feel safe in Nigeria we as in Nigerian Americans man like even our parents who are, were born in Nigeria don't feel safe in Nigeria when you go back why is it that we have to have security motorcade you can't lollygag in the village like any old person you could be at risk of kidnapping that's not normal like that's not normal People go to their home country and enjoy themselves without the fear of getting kidnapped, without the fear of getting robbed. But we don't have that luxury in Nigeria. But also, again, I'm speaking with a place of privilege, okay? Because if somebody steals my iPhone in Nigeria, I'm like, all right, cool. When I go home, I'm going to get a new phone. A lot of Nigerians barely have money. Y'all heard the first clip on this podcast? They're not making money. SARS comes and steals their phone. You know what's going to happen? They're not going to have a phone for a long time. These people are are poor. These people barely have money. And again, a lot of Nigerian Americans will go to Nigeria always wanting to come here and post saying, Look, guys, I don't live in a hut. Y'all think our Africans live in a hut. Guys, we have to remember, there are people living in huts. You have a privilege to just be saying, I don't live in a hut. Okay. But your mates down the street in your village are living in huts. What are you what are you doing? There's there's privilege. There's privilege. To, you have a lot of privilege to say you don't live in a hut. Like, okay, we get it. We get it, but your mates down the street are living in huts. Just show some sort of humility, but that's not what I came here to talk about. <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry, This the last 10 minutes is literally just opinion and me talking about how messed up Nigeria is, how much privilege I hold as a Nigerian-American, and how a lot of my cousins and stuff in Nigeria won't hope, I hate to say we'll never get the chance, but it's like, it's very hard for them to experience the life that they would hope to experience in America, because how will they even get here? here with the whole visa situation and all that but what else did I want to say talking about corruption and how politicians truly do not see their constituents in any regard they see them as collateral at this point because whenever they steal money from that's supposed to go towards helping their citizens. It, I really, I, I don't understand it. It's, it's not making sense to me, honestly. It doesn't make sense. A lot of things aren't making sense. Like when I saw the video of all these government 
in Nigeria basically hoarding palliatives that were supposed to be for COVID-19 release. What is the reason? Why are you refusing to give your own citizens food? Instead, you want them to starve? People were literally starving because of COVID. You locked them away in the house. They couldn't work. People barely have jobs in Nigeria. Like, how it's so easy for a 16-year-old in America to just up and get a job? That barely happens in Nigeria. People barely get an education. Barely get an education. They can barely scratch. What we are offered in America, honestly, I can't even explain more. I've probably said privilege in the last 10 minutes so many times. But I hold so much privilege in this being in this country. And it is my duty, our duty, anybody with privilege to be able to share the voices, amplify the voices of those who do not have privilege. They are suffering in Nigeria. We cannot allow this to happen. We must use our voices any way we can. And that's why I'm using this platform to do it. So in the show notes, I will be including documents, a Google Doc that shows everything that you could possibly need in terms of donations, how to get information, where what else you can do. I want everyone listening to this podcast to at least click on one link. Make sure you follow the Feminist Coalition on Instagram to learn more about what's going on in Nigeria. And again, please remember, with privilege comes responsibility. Though we in America as Black people do not have as much privilege as we should at me being a black woman but as a black nigerian american woman through my eyes in america i have so much privilege in comparison to my mates in nigeria and it is my duty to make sure that i remember that and i offer anything i can to them because at the end of the day what runs through my blood is everything that my ancestors in Nigeria worked hard for. And we cannot let corruption, greed be the reason that Nigeria doesn't move forward. There's a lot of work to do. But again, I want anybody listening to know that though the task may seem so large in a moment, Every single day, we can make little steps to make sure that we, we as in Nigerians, can hope for a more equitable future for our for the future generation. So again, make sure you guys click the link in the show notes to learn more about how you can help Nigeria, and please pray for the families of the falling victims. Again, there are tools. And more information in the Google Doc. And God bless all you all you guys. Make sure you guys share, um, subscribe, follow me on Instagram at unorthodoxrail, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.